All right, so you can turn to uh, Colossians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to be picking up in verse 8 this morning in Colossians chapter 2. And we're really drilling down to like a really elemental principle this morning, but I think that this is going to be really helpful. It's, 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 it's a basic idea that sometimes when we, when we get off on the basics, if something starts at the center and gets off a little bit, those of you in construction know if you, the foundation isn't built securely, then the house is going to be crooked. And, and it's the same way in our, in our biblical faith that it, sometimes we just got to look really hard at the roots and just make sure that we've got those solidly placed where they're supposed to be. And so, so the idea that we're going to explore today is, is this, that if you're here today and you're separated from God, whether you feel separated from God, whether you are truly separated from God, the reason that you're separated is, is because of what the Bible calls sin. It's a rebellion against God's rightful rule and reign in our lives. That he's the one uh, who has created us, who's formed us, he's created the world for his purposes and for his glory. And when we rebel against that and we do things that are counter to that, it's called sin. And it separates us from God in a way that, that we can't undo. We can't do enough good stuff to undo uh, the separation that sin creates because God is pure and he's holy. And so even for the slightest bit of sin to enter into his presence is not, is not possible. And so if we're separated from God, it's because of sin. We've got to get that, that uh, idea locked into our brain because the world will offer us a lot of solutions to other problems. <laughs> they'll, they'll offer us religious solutions uh, to perceived problems when the real root problem is sin and the only answer to sin is Jesus. And so we've got to root that in our hearts this morning. You might be coming in this morning and you might think, well, you know, I just haven't been religious enough. I know I haven't gone to, to church enough. I haven't, I haven't gained enough spiritual knowledge. I haven't done all the right things. I haven't uh, earned enough good karma. I haven't paid my dues. Uh, or maybe you're thinking, ah, man, I just think God's angry at me. I think, I think God's mad at me, and I, I don't think he wants, I'm separated because he doesn't want me close to him. And what I would say to all of those things with love and respect is that you're wrong. Because God does love you, he does want you close to him, and that none of those things that you've been putting off on your to-do list are going to get you any closer uh, to God. That the one thing that can draw us near to, our, to, to God is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's paid the penalty for sin that we couldn't pay ourselves. And so it's a, it's a really simple and basic truth, but it's easy to kind of veer off of that. And we're going to look at some of those things this morning. It's ultimately, it's, it's this forgiveness of sin which is so powerful in our life. And when we know that we're truly forgiven by God, it frees us to forgive other people and to overflow that forgiveness into the lives of others. And so when we live in that freedom of forgiveness, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's powerful. It gives us life. It gives us hope. Uh, when we embrace unforgiveness, it, it puts these shackles on us that we don't even know that we're carrying until we break out of them. And then all of a sudden we look and we're like, wow, I didn't realize I was carrying all that weight until we get free of it. It puts us in a, in a, in a cell in a, it, that prevents joy and hope from entering in. And so understanding the forgiveness that Jesus has won for us is the key to unlocking that kind of forgiveness in our own lives. And so I know there's at least one or two of you in here that was like, man, I've been wrestling with unforgiveness and uh, <laughs> the Lord has made me come to hear this message this morning and I don't like it, but I'm going to sit here because if you get up now, I'll know it's you, right? Um, but I really think God wants to speak to all of us in this, um, just to grasp more fully the forgiveness that he's offered and the real, the real weight of, of, of what he has done for us. And so let's turn to, to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 is where it picks up. We'll have it up on the screen here for you as well. 
But I encourage you to turn there in the Bible, then you can underline things and write in your Bible and do all that fun stuff. So verse 8 says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Man, what a powerful section. There's so many rich truths that are embedded in that, uh, but we really want to break it down to, to a, a place where we can kind of easily understand it this morning. Because uh, like we said, we're trying to get to the roots. We're trying to get to the, the basic truth here, right? And so essentially we know that uh, if you've been with us in this series, there were some false teachers who came into the church at Colossae and they started to, uh, to add on to the gospel. And we know the gospel plus whatever is no longer the gospel, right? So, so they said, hey, it's good that you put your faith in Jesus, but there's a few more things you have to do to go next level, to actually be closer to God, to be right with God, to be an elite super believer and so they started piling these things on the people, and Paul's writing to them and saying, no, reject all that. <laughs> that's, that you don't need any of that. In fact, that's going to be detrimental. That's going to pull you away. And so we know, and we see here clearly in Scripture, that Jesus is the one who can give us forgiveness of sins, who can draw us closer to the Father. Uh, but Paul argues here against two alternative options, two things that promise to do that, but actually fail in doing it. And it's human tradition and it's the elemental spirits. Human tradition cannot get you closer to the Father. Elemental spirits cannot get you closer to the Father. Only Jesus can get you to, closer to the Father through what he's done on the cross. And so what does that mean? Let's dig into that, right? <laughs> uh, we're, we're not done our digging at this point. The first one, human tradition cannot earn us the forgiveness of sins. Look what it says in verse 8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Uh, human tradition uh, can be a good thing. Uh, there's a lot of human tradition that we embrace, but the place where human tradition becomes dangerous is when it disconnects from the ultimate truth that it was originally meant to represent. And so then it becomes, uh, basically it's this thing, well, hey, that's just how we've always done it, right? Which becomes an excuse to do things inefficiently and, and kind of illogically and for no reason. You'd be like, wait, why are you doing it that way? Well, that's just how we've always done it, right? Do you guys ever run into this? You know, go to a new workplace, you're looking at it, you're like, why do you do it that way? Well, that's just kind of how we always did it. And so at some point, it probably made sense a long time ago, but over time, things changed and adjusted, and now people have continued in a pattern that doesn't actually connect to the original reason why they started doing it. And we can easily do this in the church. And, uh, and one of the things that we embrace here at Riverside is trying to disconnect the, the truth of the gospel uh, from, from human tradition, from religious tradition that, that, that comes on and attaches but doesn't have a direct connection to the gospel itself. And it doesn't mean that these are bad things. Tradition is not a, a bad thing, uh, but it can become, uh, it can lead us into hypocrisy. 
and inconsistency when it disconnects from the truth that it originally represented. Uh, many of you uh, that are in here, I know a lot of your stories, and I know that many of you have come from very formal religious upbringings where there was a lot of ceremony and structure and religion and you had to do things the right way and you had to say things the right way. And so many of you have kind of rebelled against that and said, hey, I, I, that's not getting me any closer to God, which I think is ultimately a good thing. Um, but it's good that we don't, uh, we don't replace one sort of traditionalism with another, where we just basically say, whatever we're doing here, that's, that's what's right and what everybody else is doing on the outside is wrong. That's not good either, right? Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's churches that do things very differently from us, but they have a very logical and sound reason for doing it that connects people to the gospel, and we should celebrate that with them and, and praise God for that. Uh, but our goal as a church, and your goal uh, as the congregation, is to keep uh, our elders and our staff and our pastors accountable for saying, hey, why are we doing that? <laughs> and if the answer is that's just how we've always done it, then that's not a good enough answer, right? Paul goes after one specific uh, area here. He calls out circumcision. And uh, as you guys know, circumcision was, was a big deal uh, right when the, the, the early church was just being born because up until that point, God had, had really only interacted through his, his chosen people, the nation of Israel. And to be a part of the nation of Israel, you had to be circumcised to be a part of it. And it was a great thing when it first came along because circumcision was this sign that God's people were set apart. They were separate. They were distinct from the other nations. But the problem is that over time and... and, and, and just different things happening, they came to a place where they valued the circumcision over the relationship that it was meant to represent. They started to think, well, hey, I'm, I'm circumcised. I'm one of the, the nation of Israel. I'm, I'm good with God because of that. And that was never the case. It was always by faith that people were made right with God. And so Paul says, hey, they're, they're coming in, and what would have happened is the false teachers would have come in and said, hey, it's good that you've placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, but now you do also need to be circumcised and become Jewish in order to be saved. And Paul says, no, hey, if our faith is in Christ alone and our salvation is Christ alone, then we don't need to also adopt the, the traditions and the formalities of, uh, of the nation of Israel. We don't have to become a part of the nation of Israel because of what Jesus has done. He's torn down the dividing wall that kept us separate. And I love what Paul says here. His argument is really solid, right? So he says that uh, they were circumcised by Christ with a circumcision made without hands. Now, I don't want to get too graphic here, right? But, but in circumcision, uh, some flesh is removed. Like, that's the process of circumcision. And Paul says, hey, hey, don't settle for, they want you to remove a little bit of flesh to be right. I'm telling you, you've already, your whole body of flesh has been removed. When you died, uh, spiritually you were dead and then Christ brought you to life and when you were found in him it wasn't just a little bit of flesh all of your flesh was removed and when we say flesh we're talking about our 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 carnal earthly nature our desire our sinful desires the desires of the flesh uh, the things that lead us away from the good things of God and when we come to faith in Christ that that fleshly self is put to death and so he said hey don't don't worry about the little bit of flesh I'm talking about your entire flesh has been removed. And he says instead that you were buried with Christ in baptism and raised by the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. Now you might look at this and say, okay, we just got rid of circumcision. Now we're adding baptism. And isn't that just exchanging one tradition for another? And it's not for an important reason. And it's that, that Paul makes the, the strong case here to connect baptism 
to what happened to them in Christ. He says, hey, when you were buried, when you were immersed, when you went under the water, that was the same as Christ going into the grave. And when you rose up, the same power that rose Christ from the grave rose you up out of the water and made you a new creation. And so we can easily fall into Baptistic tradition that is disconnected from that truth, and that would be a bad thing. But if we look at baptism as this incredible, powerful, meaningful symbol of what Christ has done, and that's why at Riverside, we really believe that the most biblical approach and methodology to baptism is to, to bring a big tank of water up here and actually dip people under the water, all the way under, and have them come back up because it's this powerful symbol and picture of being buried with Christ and then raised by the same power that rose him from the grave. If we're going to have a, uh, something with grace, I wouldn't call baptism a tradition. I would call it uh, a command from Christ, right? So, but we want to be obedient to that, and we do that continually because it's connected directly to the reason and the meaning why we do it. So the question I would ask you this morning is, what, what traditions uh, are you potentially looking to for your salvation? Remember where we began, right? Sin separates us from God, and only Jesus' death and resurrection uh, can can earn us the forgiveness of sins. Nothing we can do. But religion comes along and tries to, 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 to give us some sort of false hope, false salvation. You know, do you take excessive pride in your, in your religious tradition or heritage? Uh, most people in, in Riverside don't even know that we're a Southern Baptist church, right? So there's not a lot of people that are, that are like all Southern Baptist up, right? So that's not a real danger for us. Like I mentioned earlier, the danger for us might be the other way, looking down our nose at other people that... that that worship Jesus in truth and spirit, but in a different way than we do. And we can become uh, religious about our approach and think that we have the only way. Jesus is the way. And we, and we worship him authentically here. And other people in different places may worship him very differently. It might look really different, but if there's an authentic heart of worship, then we should embrace that. We should celebrate that as, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But listen, if you're looking to, uh, if you say, hey, I was baptized when I was a baby, I think that, that got me salvation. Hey, I, I take Lord's Supper. Hey, I come to church every Sunday. None of those religious, traditional practices in and of themselves, disconnected from Christ, are going to bring you any salvation. And so we need to reject them in the same way that Paul did. Human tradition cannot earn us the forgiveness of sins. The second element was these elemental spirits. And that's not something that we talk about a lot, right? So we've got to dig into that a little bit and say, what, what did he mean by these elemental spirits? Uh, there was a, a practice called syncretism. Uh, it actually wasn't so ancient. It, it, it exists now as well. And it's where you kind of combine a bunch of different religious ideas and practices together. And this was always the danger that that God's people faced. And in the book of Judges, we spent a whole series going through, and we saw how they came in worshiping God, and the nations that were there that they didn't cast out, they didn't say, hey, abandon God and serve our God. They said, hey, you can keep worshiping your God, uh, but if you want to see your crops grow, you're going to have to sacrifice to the local crop deity. And if you want your wife to bear children, then you're going to have to sacrifice to the local fertility deity. Uh, these are the ways that around here, this is how we do it. And you don't have to reject Jesus, or not Jesus at the time, but you don't have to reject your relationship with the creator God. But you have to do these extra things to get an extra advance, right? And, and it's wrong. It's, it's not right. Uh, the same thing existed in Colossae where they would have said, hey, you need to pray to these, these angels and these spiritual rulers and there's these other beings. And what, what, what Paul says here is he says, hey, you've been filled with Christ. Christ is supreme over all rulers and authorities. He's the head over all of them. He has disarmed them. He is triumphing over them and he has put them to open shame. 
So why would you go to a lower level uh, spiritual authority when you are connected and filled with the greatest spiritual authority? It's like having a, a court case that you took all the way to the Supreme Court and you won, but then you decided to take it to Judge Judy just to get like another, you know, right? She's a lower court. I don't even think she's a real court, right? <laughs> or the people's court. That was back in my day. But um, why would you do that when you've got a ruling from the Supreme Court? It's the same thing here. When you're, when, you're, when you're filled up with Christ, why would you even look to a lower elemental spirit? Why would you, why would you mess around with superstition or, 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 or any of these things? And so it, it might sound weird to us to think about like making a sacrifice to a, a crop deity or a fertility deity, but, but the reality is, is this exists in our culture in a couple different ways even today. One of them, uh, I was just driving yesterday with my wife and we, uh, we drove and I noticed that there was this new psychic reader uh, house that went up in Willow Grove and I was like, man, like, wow, like, we already have like six or eight of those around here <laughs> and another one just opened up. Like, so obviously people are going to these places, but if I can share with you out of love for just a moment, uh, there's two possibilities when you when you embrace that. One is that you go and they scam you and they find some way uh, to trick you into thinking that they're telling you something uh, profound and special. The other possibility is that they have real spiritual power and it's demonic spiritual power. It's, it's not from God. God is not giving them. If they have ability to see into the future, if they have the ability to know things about you, that's not coming from God. And so either way, why would you want to mess with it, right? This time of year, there's, um, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities to celebrate Halloween, whatever that means. And, and we've got to be careful what we allow into our hearts. Sometimes we can think like, oh, we're modern people and we don't really believe in spirits and it's just good fun. Uh, there's spiritual forces in the world. Um, I saw a good friend uh, in, in a really real tangible way just have his life blown up and he invited evil spiritual forces into his life and 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 just recently praise god he woke up out of it um and and he's trying to fathom like what happened to him and so i i, I just encourage you that this is a is a reality that we shouldn't mess around with and but at the same time that we shouldn't fear because look what it says about jesus it says he's he's ruling over them he has disarmed them he is triumphing over them he's put them to shame that we don't have to fear uh, these evil spiritual forces, because we are connected to Jesus Christ, who is greater than all of them. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world, right? So, so we don't have to fear, but we also don't want to invite that into our lives. Now, some of you may be skeptical about that, and, and I understand that, although I disagree with you. Uh, but this also expresses itself in much more subtle ways, right? When you think about the elemental spirits, what are the elemental desires that we have as people, right? We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. Uh, we want to have, feel like our life has purpose and a cause. And for every one of those elemental desires that we have in our heart, there are spiritual forces that will promise to give it to us in some other way. But it might not look spiritual, right? You might be at your job and, and just the climate of the workplace might be like, hey, listen, I know you got a family and you got, you know, community and all that stuff, but if you, wanna, if you really want to make a name for yourself, then you're going to have to climb the corporate ladder. You're going to have to do whatever it takes, take the extra hours, do, do the extra business trips. You're just going to have to go kind of forget about your family, put that on the back burner, um, and you're going to have to pursue this if you really want to be somebody, right? It's a lie that promises fulfillment that it's never going to deliver, and it draws us away from the place where God wants us to be. If you're a young person here or you're pursuing uh, somebody, you're looking for this, uh, this fairy tale romance, right? And, uh, and so our society will tell us all these things. Hey, girls, you got to dress a certain way if you want to get this guy. You've got you to participate in these things. You got to go to these parties. Guys, you got to act like this. You got to talk like this. Uh, uh, 
our society will tell us that there's things that we have to do so that we can get the love that we deeply want, but we compromise our values in doing it. We go away from what God wants, and, and in seeking fulfillment, we actually run further away from the one who would love to give it to us, who desires to give it to us. So our society is full of these snares, these traps, these false gods that will step into the place of God in our heart, that will promise to fulfill what only God can fulfill, and will always leave us wanting more. They'll always fall short. And it can look like a lot of different things. So I would ask you to think about this. What, what, what is it, uh, where, where are you tempted to pursue these elemental desires? You know, have you, uh, have you, have you messed with other spiritual influences? Uh, do you embrace uh, uh, superstitious and, and religious practice in, in addition to faith in Christ? Do you, do you look to something else to fulfill what only Jesus can fulfill? in your heart. I'm going to transition into the third piece here, which is that, that in Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is total, complete, right? Human tradition cannot earn us the forgiveness of sins. Elemental spirits cannot earn you the forgiveness of sins. Only in Jesus can we find the forgiveness of sins. And I want you to look on your, on your seat. You should have gotten um, a piece of paper as you came in today. There should have been one. If not, there's a bunch up front. There's more around, right? But um, maybe as we've been talking about this, God has brought some things to your heart where you're like, man, I I really need to repent of that. That's, that's something that, that I've engaged in that I don't want to do anymore. I want to, I, want to, I want to let that go. And we're talking today about forgiveness of sins. And so if God is laying something on, maybe it's a, a current sin you're wrestling with. Maybe it's something in your past that you just can't seem to get past. I, I just want you to jot it down. I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to turn this in. This is not coming to you. This is between you and God. It's not, it's not for me, neighbors, eyes on your own papers, right? Like nobody, nobody's looking around. This is between, between you and God. But I just encourage you to use this. This is going to be helpful for you if you'll allow it to be. Um, if, if God brings something to your mind where you're just struggling, like, man, God, I, uh, I, I know I'm doing this and I shouldn't do this, or man, this exists in my past and I've just never been able to feel free or forgiven from it, I want you to just, just write that down. And as we continue to talk here, there may be some other things that come to mind. In Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is total and complete. First thing he says is that we were all dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. And my question for you would be, have you acknowledged this? Have you acknowledged that your sin had you in a spiritually dead position where you were separated from God in a way that you could never be united with him uh, of your own efforts, of your own desires? Do you recognize that? Because you can't experience resurrection until you acknowledge your death. And so if you acknowledge that the wages of sin is death and you acknowledge that you have sinned, then you acknowledge that you were dead in your trespasses until Jesus saved you, right? Like we sang here, I was lost without you. Right? It begins there with acknowledging that, that our sin is separating us, and then, but then also acknowledging that he has forgiven us all of our sins, past, present, future, all forgiven. The things that, that, that happened years ago, the things that you're wrestling with today, the things that you will do in the future, that, that Jesus has paid the price for all of that. You might be coming in today and, and you're wrestling with a, uh, a, a sin and you say, hey, you know, I, I know I'm a follower of Jesus and I know I shouldn't be wrestling with this, but I am and I just can't seem to beat it. I can't seem to kick it. And I would encourage you today that, that, that God wants you uh, to be free of that. And in fact, it's, it's the enemy who desires. Once you're in his hand, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Once we're his, we're his. And so the best thing the enemy can do is just tangle us up in sin. The only thing that he can really do is distract us and get us to lose our focus on, on the things that Jesus wants us to do to be fruitful and effective for his kingdom. And that's what sin does. It, it tangles us up. 
You don't want to be caught in that sin. God doesn't want you to be caught in that sin. So today's the day to, to draw a line in the sand and say, hey, I'm, I, I, I want to let this go. For some things, it could be cold turkey. For other things, it says, hey, I'm going to go get help. I'm going to go find somebody, someone, a counselor, a support group. I'm going to find a, a pastor. I'm going to find somebody that can help me get out of this because I've got to acknowledge that I can't do it on my own anymore. Whatever that might look like. If you'd be so bold, write it down on your paper. It says in this passage that he canceled the record of debt against us with its legal demands by nailing it to the cross. What a beautiful picture, right? We, we have sin. Our sin has a cost. And we've got to own and we've got to recognize the cost of our sin. It has a legal demand. Because we did that, now we owe this. There's a very specific debt that is connected to our sin and we can't work it off. But the good news is that when Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross, when his feet were nailed to the cross, our sins were nailed to the cross with him. And like a good judge, he didn't just say, hey, I'm just going to crumble this up and throw it away. Right? No good judge would say, hey, you've committed all these crimes. Hey, have a good day. Take it off. Right? Jesus said, no, this sin is costly, but I'm going to pay the cost on your behalf. He took the sin so seriously that he went to the cross and he died. For it. And so our sin has an incredibly heavy weight to it, but it was a weight that Jesus bore for us. Now, if you don't think that you, you need this, this forgiveness, if you think, hey, that sounds great, but that's not really for me. I think I'm doing all right. Uh, I, think, I think I'm good. <laughs> then you're tragically underestimating the weight of your sin. You're tragically underestimating the cost of your sin and how it separates you. Jesus said, not just our sins of commission, but the, things that, the sins that take place in our mind, right? He says, if you look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you look at your brother with anger, you've committed murder, right? So, so, so we might say, hey, you know, I, legally, I'm good. I'm not in jail, right? But, uh, but it goes deeper. Jesus is after our heart. And so if you don't think that you need his forgiveness, you're tragically underestimating the weight of your sin. On the other side, if you think that you can't be forgiven, you're tragically underestimating the power of Jesus. If you think, hey, that sounds great and all, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the weight of sin that I carry with me, that no one could ever forgive me. I can't forgive myself, and I don't think God will ever forgive me. I just want to encourage you. Jesus is great enough to take that sin upon him. It's really, a, it's a form of spiritual arrogance, right, to say my sin is greater than Jesus. Whatever you are, <laughs> whatever you've done, your sin is not greater than the power of Jesus to forgive it. And you need to acknowledge that, and you need to accept that so that he can free you from it. I also want to encourage you that if you feel unacceptable to God, if you feel broken, not because of a sin that you committed, but because of a sin that's been committed against you, maybe someone has sinned against you in a way that has left you damaged and broken, and so you wrestle with feeling distant from God because of that, I want to encourage you that when Jesus went to the cross, that person that sinned against you, they owe you, uh, that their sin created a debt. And they'll never be able to repay it. And they may never desire to repay it. But I'll tell you this, that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he paid the debt for your sin that you committed and the sins that have been committed against you. He wants you to be free. That, that whatever that was, it doesn't separate you from him. His sacrifice was great enough even for that. And if you're willing, you can rest in, in the freedom of the forgiveness um, that he's offering. The payment that he made for what you've suffered. And so there's a couple, couple ways. If you, if you haven't written anything on your paper, I, I just want to encourage you in a couple additional ways. 
If there's the sin, as I mentioned, for which you struggle to feel forgiven, I want to encourage you to write it down on here. Something that you've just never been able to, to get past or, or when you think about, man, if I stood before God at judgment, I really hope he doesn't bring that up, right? <laughs> right? Donald Trump is in the midst of a lot of this right now, right? <laughs> like, I didn't know anybody was recording at that moment, all right? And this is not a political statement either way on that. It's just reality of what's going on with him. Um, you know, could somebody have recorded a conversation you had years ago that you hope never surfaces? Or, or is there some, some, something that occurred in your life that you're like, man, I hope that never comes out. And I hope that when I stand before God, he doesn't bring it up because I don't know what to say. If you're willing to believe it, <laughs> Jesus has forgiven you. If you repent, right? That, 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 that he's willing to forgive you. That he offers forgiveness. That he purchased your forgiveness. I also want you to, to think about if there's anything that you brought in today that you're struggling with. As I mentioned, if there's an existing sin in your life right now, write it down. Uh, if there... And this is, this is the cool one, right? So if you, if you come in and say, hey, listen, I've, I've, I've been through a hard walk of repentance and I really, I celebrate. I know that I'm forgiven. I know. I've spent my time on my knees at the foot of the cross and I know that he's forgiven me. Use this as an opportunity to celebrate all that he's forgiven you of, right? Say, Jesus, you forgave me of that. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you forgave me of that, right? Celebrate it. And then what I want you to do, and I'll, and I'll do this with you, is as you're writing these things down, I want you to just, just turn it sideways, and I just want you to write in big letters, Jesus, over top of it. Right? He's covered all of your sins, everything, everything that you struggle to forgive yourself of, everything that you can't believe you forgive of. Jesus, it tells us right here in this passage that he nailed it to the cross, that he erased the dead. And I thought about bringing a big cross up here and having you come and nail them to it, but that was dangerous in a lot of ways, and so... <laughs> I didn't trust you guys with spikes and nails and hammers. And so, but uh, what I do want to encourage you to do is, uh, hey, listen, this, uh, this isn't going to erase these sins, right? But, but I have a paper shredder here, and I've got two stationed by, by either aisle in the back. And what I want to encourage you to do as we, as we close and worship is, is just feed it in there, right? It doesn't erase your sins, but it's symbolic. It's a powerful symbol of what Jesus has done at the cross. And sometimes we just need to put a, a marker down. We need to draw a line in the sand. We need to have a moment where we can do that so that the next time the enemy brings that to mind and says, hey, but remember you did that? You can say, no, no, I remember. You know what? I wrote that down, and I remember shredding that. And that reminds me of the fact that Jesus has nailed that to the cross. And I don't have to feel guilt over that anymore. I don't have to feel shame. I can walk in freedom. And that would be my desire for you. And as the band comes and prepares to lead us in, we're going to do two songs at the end here. There's going to be time. So as you feel led during the time of worship, you can come up and, and put your, your paper into the shredder. I want to encourage you, if you have never received this gift of forgiveness and salvation from Jesus, I want to encourage you that today is the day that this can become real. This doesn't have to just be an exercise. This just doesn't have to be a demonstration. This can be a symbolic moment where you actually... Uh, place your life in the hands of Jesus, where you say, Jesus, I know that you died for me. You were the son of God. You died for my sins. And because of what you've done, I can be forgiven by faith alone, right? You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to go home and write down a longer list. You don't have to do any of these things, right? You just have to place your faith in Jesus Christ, and he will offer you the forgiveness for your sins. And then you can be close to God. And you can know that your eternity is secure with him. And I want to challenge you to do one more thing. If that's you today, 
I want to encourage you to come find me or, or find Brian or find Keith. Find somebody to talk to or talk to the person that brought you here today or that came with you. Share with somebody that you've placed your faith in Jesus. They would, uh, we would love to give you a Bible. <laughs> we would love to give you some, some help and some, some assistance as you figure out what it means to follow Jesus. We want to encourage you in that. So join me in a word of prayer. We'll worship, and as you're ready, you can go and turn your sins into the, the shredder.